This is the Sexual Alchemy Podcast for men who want to discover and embrace profound confidence, intimacy, pleasure, and connection. I'm Rebecca Lowry, and I invite you to explore who you really are as a confident, sexual, and sensual man. Whether you're dealing with specific sexual issues or you just know there's more to it than you've experienced so far, this is a safe space for you to learn, grow, and expand your erotic potential and possibilities. Hello and welcome to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast. I have a delightful guest for you today. This podcast was the very first time that she and I had met and spoken. And honestly, I could have talked to her for hours. She's so interesting. We have a very similar um, points of view and ideas about sex and sexuality. Her name is Robin Dalzen. And she is a somatic sex and intimacy coach, and she's passionate about helping people find what brings them joy in their body and in their life. Robin's work is at the intersection of mindfulness, consent, embodiment, and sexuality, guiding people to slow down and bring awareness to what they desire, to practice the skills to communicate those desires, and to create clear agreements to receive exactly what they want. She is the co-founder of the School of Consent, and her certifications include Transformational Leadership Coach, Embodied Sex Coach, Certified Sexological Body Worker, Wheel of Consent Facilitator, and Tension and Trauma Releasing Exercise Provider. She is awesome. Let's go have a listen. Welcome to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast. Robin, I'm so delighted to have you here. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hello, Rebecca, and thanks for having me. It's so great to be here with you. And I love having these conversations. So I'm really excited to jump in. And this work is, I might say it's its new to me. I've been doing this work for the last seven years. And I would say it's been a lifetime of evolution to get here. And so I've always been very curious about myself, and about my own personal growth, and about relationships, and how to evolve my relationships so that they become a place for growth, not only for myself, but in my relationships. And so I feel like my life has prepared me to come and do this work. And I came to it, I'd say officially, about seven years ago. And prior to that, I was working in the environmental sector, And I was working in leadership development. And it was really a personal health crisis that shifted my career path quite significantly. And I came to a place of burnout and got really sick and realized I had been living my life basically from the head up. And I know this is familiar to a lot of people and in our culture. You know, how can we do more? How can we be more productive? And I was caught up in that. And even though the work I was doing felt inspiring and I was really committed to it, uh, my body was telling me that it needed to slow down and it needed something different. And so I started my own personal journey into embodiment, into integrating all parts of myself into my expression in the world. 
And part of that included connecting to my sensuality and my sexuality and really like inviting the fullest expression of my aliveness and creativity in the world. And so it was coming to that realization that I was leaving out parts of myself and that process of reintegration where I just felt like I I need to be sharing this with the rest of the world and and the world needs this our our environment needs this our the challenges we have with climate change the challenges we have around poverty and marginalization it's like we need people to be more in tune with their bodies with their emotional selves and with their joy wow you've just opened up so many <laughs> <laughs> so many places I want to go. I mean, amazing. Yes. Because even back when you started speaking, you were saying that you were doing um, environmental work and leadership development. And I thought, this is it. You know, the work that we do in the intimacy sector is absolutely the same work that's needed for mm-hmm. the climate and for the issues of today and the power structures that need to change. And everything that's going on in the world needs people to come back to their felt sense of knowing and to their mm-hmm. ability to communicate and to, like you said, embodiment. Imagine how different the world would be. I know it would be a different world. Amazing. Amazing. The other thing that I know is important in your work and also important in all the other areas of life is um, around boundaries and consent for example, it's kind of, I think you said before we hit record, it's an entry point to intimacy. Were you happy to expand on that a bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, this is, and this has also been part of my, my lifetime evolution. You know, I grew up in a home, I had lots of siblings, there was a lot of chaos. And the role that I took on in my family system was the role of the pleaser. And other people got familiar one. with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, you know, if I just do everything right, if I try and take care of my parents, if I'm sweet and kind and good, then I'll, I'll be okay. I'll be safe. I'll get my needs met. I'll get the love that I want. And, and so, and it's actually a fun response if we look at at some of the the trauma responses we have the things that that we adapt in order to keep ourselves safe the the behaviors and the patterns and so this one was very familiar to me and one of the challenges with this is that it creates permeable boundaries so i don't know where i end and another begins mm-hmm. and a lot of the challenges we have in relationship is knowing where our boundaries are, where we stop and another begins. And on the other side of that, being able to honor and respect another person's boundaries. And so it can create enmeshment. It can create power struggles. It can create power over and power under. This is both in intimate relationships and broader relationships in our society. And so being able to understand not only our boundaries, but in the work that I do with the wheel of consent, we talk about it in the sense of domain. Mm 
And so our domain is what we have a right to and a responsibility for. I love that. And so my domain is, it can be my physical domain, my body, and who I choose to connect with, who I allow to touch me, who I you know, ask if I can touch them. So there's this physical domain. It also includes a mental and emotional domain. So my thoughts, my beliefs, my values, my desires, as well as my feelings, my emotions, those are all within my domain. And I have a right to feel and think, and and I also have a responsibility for that. So Mm -hmm. I can think what I want, but I don't necessarily have the right to go and tell others what they should think. That's within their domain. You know, I, I have a responsibility and a right to my possessions and the things, you know, taking care of the things around me. And so within our domain, it also includes our desires, what we want, and it includes our limits, what we're willing and not willing to engage in with another. And so that's also part of our responsibility to know what those limits are and to communicate that, to create clear agreements with others. And our boundary is the edge of our domain. And so, you know, for all of those things, for my thoughts, for my beliefs, my emotions, my body, the edge of that is my boundary. And if I don't know what's in my domain and what's in your domain, then it's hard for me to speak up when our boundaries come in contact or when someone crosses over into my domain or when I seep into someone else's domain. And so first having that that awareness and understanding of, okay, this is mine, this is me, this is who I am, this is the edge of me. And I, as I'm talking, I'm like touching the parts of my body. It's like, this is who I am. But if I don't have that knowledge and, and understanding of it, it's hard for me to speak up. It's hard for me to say no when someone comes and says, oh, you should do this, or you shouldn't eat that, or you should behave this way. I can lose my footing and take that in as truth right. when it's not. And so for me, this is it's such a central point of being able to create integral relationships with others, not only for my own well-being, but also in care of and in service to another. Right, right. And this is such foundational stuff, you know, that it's like the fundamental basis for self-awareness, For you know, that it, it's devastating. It's not taught in schools, you mm-hmm. know. And the term that was coming to me as you were saying this, and it's a bit overused or misused these days, but this is what was coming was, was sovereignty, you know, yes. the, you know, the sovereignty over the nation of us, as it were, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and being good caretakers of that, because the better I take care of my own sovereignty, my own boundaries, the more intimate of a relationship we can create with each other, whether it's erotic or not. Exactly. Right? And the, yes. and the same thing we do with the environment or with other nations or mm-hmm. it's so fundamental. Why are we not being taught this stuff when we're young? 
Well, it's because it's a way of keeping us disempowered. Right. Exactly. So then that brings me to how do you teach it now? Yeah. So I I think of consent as a full body conversation. Yes. And, and, you know, I think back to this, this experience I had with burnout and switching careers, you know, if I had known how to slow down and tune into my body and listen to my body, it would have been different. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful to be where I am. And so I also feel that this is, this is a calling. And so the way that I teach it is a process of deconstructing the different elements of consent. So when we think of consent, we think of asking for permission. Can I touch you? And it's really so much more than that. And so I, it's like stepping back and, and creating the building blocks. And so the first one for me is helping people connect to their felt sense, right? Helping people connect to sensation in their body, which is, is challenging in and of itself. I mean, we're, again, we're taught to just go into action, to do, to produce. And so in order to feel, we have to slow down. Right. And so the first step is slow down and feel, mm. feel your body. Feel with your hands, feel the world around you, feel your internal sensations, notice the different things. Is it a feel like a bubbling feeling? Is it a vibrating? Is it warmth? Is it cold? Is it shrinking up? Is it opening, expanding? And so just starting to notice your body and notice the information that's coming from your body. And of course, that's challenging for so many people, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like you said, most people live from the neck up. Well, Mm -hmm. that sounds judgmental. A lot of people live from the neck up because that's what's valued in our world, thinking analytical mind. So to come from the neck down and feel Mm -hmm. there's often a backlog of stuff that maybe hasn't been felt. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And there can be a feeling or a fear that, If I start to feel and I feel the intensity of everything that's been locked up in there, I'm going to get lost in grief or I'm going to get lost in anger. I'm going to get lost in despair or longing. And so oftentimes with sensation, there's an emotion that's connected to it. And so, so part of a feeling is, is feeling our emotional sense our our emotional body and allowing that to move through us right and and that is the key is allowing it to move so our emotions are fluid and when we put a lid on it so to say and that emotion gets trapped in our body but when we actually allow ourselves to feel it it flows it moves and so some kind of physical movement can actually help with emotion moving through us. 
That might be dancing, that might be running, that might be yoga, that might be lifting weights, it might be taking a walk in nature, but physically moving our body, it might be, you know, standing and shaking. So combining some kind of physical movement helps the emotion move. And one of my teachers is Brad Blanton, who wrote the book Radical Honesty. And he talks a lot about, uh, he works a lot with anger and supporting the movement of anger and expression of anger. And he says it takes 90 seconds for anger to move through it, through us, when we actually allow it and give it space. And so this is a great experiment, (laughs) you know, you know, what happens if you actually let yourself feel what you're feeling? And I notice sometimes if I'm feeling sad or frustrated and there are tears that want, you know, are welling up and want to come out and I can feel like, oh no, I shouldn't cry or I I shouldn't feel that way. I'm shooting myself in my own domain. (laughs) But if I actually allow the tears to flow, you know, a couple minutes and it's like, oh, I feel better. Right. It's like a flushing through, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of the work I do is is supporting people to feel more pleasure, to feel more joy, mm-hmm. which can be just as challenging, if not more so, for people to feel than anger or sadness or or some of these other emotions we might call negative emotions. You know, for a lot of people, feeling pleasure and joy is really challenging. And our culture tells us that's bad, that's wrong, that's shameful. And so, you know, but a lot of people come to me wanting to feel more pleasure in their lives. And so part of this process of feeling more joy and pleasure is allowing ourselves to feel everything. Right. So we don't get to pick and choose when it comes to feeling emotion. And the more we can allow ourselves to feel one emotion, the more breadth and and space we give ourselves to feel it all. And this is also one of the reasons why a lot of people don't even want to open that door. Right. Because to feel one thing means I need to feel it all. And it's too scary. It's too painful. I don't have the time or space. And so, so part of this process of, of waking up waking up to life, waking up to the challenges in our personal lives, in our interpersonal relationships, and in our world is developing the capacity to feel more, feel more of our emotional states and to process those. So that's at the beginning. (laughs) And feel, you know, I'm sure this is true in your work as well. It's that once you learn to process your emotions, not cling to them and turn them into, you know, personality traits, once Mm -hmm. you, once you can let them move through you, it then heightens your sense of touch and your other senses, Mm -hmm. you know, all your other senses are heightened when you're not using a lot of energy to clamp down on your emotions. Mm -hmm. Then more pleasure can come through. You might Mm -hmm. also feel the sadness more, but you know, it's temporary. Yes. Yeah. And all of these things we feel are temporary and and temporary is temporary is relative. You know, temporary might be a few seconds. Temporary might be a few days, 
temporary, it might be a few years and it will move eventually. And we can consciously choose to work with it. Yeah, so, and I think something joyful will arise, mm-hmm. not always, but like I know for me, whenever I have a big cry or big outburst, or not that I'm not huge with outbursts, but something that takes me by surprise and there's like a, you know, like a crygasm and you, you know, when you cry from your soul mm-hmm. and I feel a bit wrung out afterwards, but then the next hour or day, I feel more spacious in myself. I feel like I can yeah. hear the birds tweeting a bit loud, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it everything. Cause you've kind of flushed some stuff out that you don't need to be yeah. able, either been taking up space and, or, you know, kind of poisoning the system. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think of that as our, our connection to arrows mm. or our, our connection to our aliveness. Right. It's like our senses start to open up. We take in sensory information. We, you know, the world looks brighter. We hear the bird song. So the things that you're describing, it's like our senses become more alive. And this is such an important part of consent, of creating clear agreements. So as we, we start to awaken our senses, there are a couple important components to creating consensual agreements. And that is connecting to what we want or our desires. And so if I'm numb and and desensitized, it's hard to even know what I want. And I work with a lot of people who come in. It's like, I don't even know what I want. Like, how can I ask for what I want? How can I create the relationship I want when I don't even know? Right. And so, so as we start to awaken our senses. It's like, now, what is it that feels good? What is it that brings joy? And maybe that's, you know, listening to the bird song. Maybe that's seeing a beautiful sunset. Maybe that's enjoying, you know, my favorite meal and savoring the taste in my mouth. Maybe that is slow, soft, sensual touch. So starting to, to explore and connect to, okay, what would feel good to me? What are those desires that can start to percolate inside of me? And the other part of that is connecting to my yes and my no, connecting to what it is I want or I don't want, and and also connecting to what is it I'm available for and willing to engage in with another. So when somebody wants something from us, I need to be connected to my body. I need to feel in my body. Am I a yes to that? Am I a no to that? Do I need more information? And we're constantly getting information from our body. We think that I just, you know, in my head, it appears it's a yes or it's a no. And I say it and we're done. No, it's like, how can you again, slow down and tune into your body and the information that's coming? There's a really simple practice I do with, with my clients and, and in the classes that I teach. And it's helping people attune to their yes and their no. Mm-hmm. And just bringing the word yes into their awareness and noticing what happens in their body. And then bringing the word no into their awareness and noticing what happens. And it's amazing 
how much information is coming from our body that oftentimes we don't even pay attention to. Right. Yeah. I call that like our spidey senses. It might also be our gut instinct, but it's definitely like you said already, our felt sense of knowing. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I used to run workshops. I don't anymore, but, and I used to, the first exercise, wherever that workshop was, was boundaries and consent. And before we even looked at that with someone else, I would get people to move around the room and express with their body, what was yes? How did their body move when it felt yes? And what was mm-hmm. amazing is people would often be quite open. Their shoulders were back, their arms were open. You know, they were kind of, it was a confidence to their walk, that kind of thing. Mm. And then when I'd bring in no, the first response would always be some sort of closing down, you know, mm. shutting their bodies off and turning away from each other. So then I would invite them to say a no with their body without turning away from mm-hmm. each other. And that was often really challenging. It's like, I can come past you in a workshop and say yes with my body and I'll show you, look at me, I'm all peacocking and yes and all of that. But with no, I feel I need to you know, close off and turn away. So the invitation to say no and, and be with you, mm-hmm. I found that was often the thing that was most challenging for people. And I, I wonder your opinion on this is that this the sort of um fear of rejection or something or that we feel we can't say no to things or it's probably a bit of that but what what is that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so this it's so nuanced our yes and no <laughs> and one of the things i've noticed over time with this practice of yes and no is that it's layered mm-hmm. and so there's that sort of top level of Yes, I'm a, you know, I'm yes, and it's big and I'm open and yes. And and this idea that we're supposed to be right a big open yes. Mm-hmm. And that no is this like no, like there's a, a almost an anger or a pushing away or an aggression or you know, a closing down, and and that's what no is supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. And if it coming back to that conversation around our domain it's linked up with that. So when I know where the edge of my domain is, my boundary, and someone crosses into that, the appropriate response is a no. We actually really need our no. And in order to have an authentic yes, we first have to be able to access our no. Absolutely. And we're taught we should be generous. We should be accommodating. We should give, you know, giving is, is more spiritual, holy than receiving, you know, these things that we're told and we all have limits. We all need to be able to say no in order to know what our yes is. And so what I found with my own no you know, when I first started doing this practice of tuning into my no, I physically felt a like a pushing back in my body with my no. It was like almost like I was, you know, somebody was pushing against me. And the more I've worked with my own no, the more solid it has become and the more grounded it has become. And so I don't have to push away from you in order to say yes to me. It can be a you know, a calm, 
firm, grounded no. And my no to you is really, it's, I'm saying yes to me. Exactly. Exactly that. And, and, we, and yeah, go ahead. Hope then that your, your partner or whoever you're saying the no to would then say, thank you. Mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the response that, you know, if we're really practiced at it, <laughs> mm-hmm. that we're able to give, because if you tell me no, that's a beautiful gift to me, because then yes. I know how to keep us safe and in connection instead of, you know, crossing over into your domain and causing harm. Yeah. Well, it also builds trust. Right. Because if I hear a no from you, it signals to me, okay, you are in touch with yourself. You're in touch with your availability. You're in touch with your body and you can speak up and you can tell me what you're available for, what you're not available for. So I can trust your yes. Right. But if all I ever hear from you is yes, there've got to be times when you're not available. Right. But if you're always telling me that you are, it starts to erode that trust. Like, really? Are you sure? Like, can I really trust that? And so hearing a no from me, that indicator that, okay, this person can speak up for their needs. And so I can really trust them when they tell me yes. So important, isn't it? Yeah. And oftentimes I'll, I'll work with people and we'll start by having them say no to everything. You know, I'll make requests and, and the response to everything is, is no, just to exercise that muscle. Right. And then being able to make requests and hear a no. So I'll say no to everything that they ask for. And we'll start to notice like, okay, what did that bring up? Did it bring up feelings of rejection? Did it bring up feelings of unworthiness? You know, and, and so what are all of those messages we've been taught uh, when we hear a no or say a no? And, and so part of it is just like giving space for that so that we can come to a point of realizing that actually no, your no doesn't mean anything about me. Bottom line. It's just, it's information. Great. Thank you for that. And, and when it comes to our limits, so what we're available for or not available for in any given moment, our limits can change. Our limits change based on context. Our limits change based on how we feel in the moment. Our limits change based on the relationship. So I might be available for a hug with someone that I just met. But if they hug me and then they hold on, (laughs) then it's like, "Mm, I don't really know you that well. This is starting to feel uncomfortable. And I, you know, it's like, no, I'm not available for that. But if I'm hugging my partner and they put their arms around me and hold me, I might sink into that and melt a little and put my head on their shoulder because it's a different relationship in a different context. And so we could have the same action, but depending on the context, how my availability for it is going to be very different. Right. And even within the context of your relationship, you know, if you've hurt your back or you're about to go do something, you know, there's also times where you might have a no, where Mm -hmm. you would often have a yes. And that's where all that stuff you were talking before about 
nuance comes in, nuance with boundaries, nuance with consent. The yes and no has boundaries too, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. And this is where consent, like we we often think of consent as, okay, I need to ask for what I want. And if I get a yes, then we'll do it. And if I get a no, then we won't do it. And that's consent. Right. <laughs> and, you know, we've just talked about, okay, it, it includes our whole body. It includes feeling into. And consent is an ongoing conversation. Brilliant. So yes. we don't just get consent and then we run and do whatever was agreed upon and, and it's all good. At the process, it's a process and it's ongoing. And it includes continuing to sense into our own body and to notice and be aware of what's happening in the body of the other person. So there's what we communicated. You know, Rebecca, may I put my arms around you and hold you for a few minutes? And you're going to feel into, are you available for that or not? And if you say yes, and I put my arms around you and I'm holding you, I might notice oh, this isn't exactly what I wanted. Actually, I wanted to move my hands up and down your back. So do I just start doing that? The answer is no, <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't ask for that. I said, yeah. can I put my arms around you? And so as I notice my desires changing, I need to check in right. and, and change the agreement. Right. You know, now I'm noticing, can I move my hands? up and down your back. Mm -hmm. And I need to give you a chance to check in and notice if you're available for that. Mm -hmm. And so as my desires change, I need to keep communicating and sharing that and asking if that's okay for me to do. Mm -hmm. On the other side of that, you said yes, and I'm holding you. And you might notice, oh, actually, that's as much as I can give. I'm noticing I'm starting to get a little uncomfortable or a little squirmy. I need to move my body or I'm uncomfortable. And so rather than saying, well, I already said yes to this, so I just have to suffer through it. No, you have a responsibility to speak up and say, hey, I, I'm noticing I'm a little uncomfortable and I need to adjust my body. Or I'm noticing I'm actually not available any longer and we need to stop. So there's a responsibility on both sides. Right. So if I've made the request and I'm I'm asking for something it's for me and I'm noticing is this still what I want and I'm communicating. If I'm giving this gift and in this case this example, you know, you're giving the gift of access to your body. Right. right. And your responsibility is to keep noticing your availability and to speak up when that changes. Right. Regardless of what our original agreement was, we get to change our mind. Right. We get to to keep communicating what's about what's happening. I mean that's just so bottom line everything we're talking about is so fundamental you know to living an expansive or just living life not even expansive just mm-hmm. living life <laughs> isn't it is and it is yeah. all nuanced and it does all bring up safety for example issues like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, everything you're talking about i'm realizing 
was some of the hardest stuff for me personally to learn when I was, you know, starting to investigate all of this. And I'm exquisite and excellent at it in my sessions because I'm very clear on who it's for. And, you know, so that's mm-hmm. you know, crystal clear. But And I'm much better at it in my life, my personal life than ever before because it's a constant practice. But there's still times, you know, where oh, yeah. I might not say the no quite immediately or not notice it's a no or just go like mm, it's whatever you know or it's it's so ongoing even when you're practiced at this stuff it's still mm-hmm. constant learning isn't it oh yes and you know they say you know we we teach the things we need to learn ourselves and and this has definitely been a such a huge area of growth for me and it is so fundamental to all all human relating and it's skills that we weren't taught. Yeah. And and it's never too late. And yeah. and so I you know I really appreciate what you've shared about, you know, in day-to-day life, you know, I'll notice, you know, I might have said yes to something and then a little while later, a few days later, I realized, oh, I actually wasn't a yes to that. And now I feel a little resentful. <laughs> and <laughs> And so that noticing is so important. And the noticing is the first step to actually changing behavior. And so there's a lot of compassion that's called for as we do this work. And so whenever the noticing comes to just like making a mental note of, oh, I noticed I said yes. And actually I was a no. And wow, isn't that interesting? Hmm, what was that about? What was happening for me at the moment? And just becoming inquisitive and curious and asking ourselves questions like, okay, so yeah, I said yes, and I really was a no. Okay, I'm going to be more aware of that next time. You know, next time this person asks for something, I'm going to pause before I respond. I'm going to take a little more time to tune in, or I'm going to ask a few more questions, or I'm going to set some limits. I'm available for this, but not this, or I'm a yes to that for this amount of time. So we get to learn from past experiences. And one of the things I've noticed about my own limits is that there have been times that I haven't even been aware that I have a limit. Until I've crossed it. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) And so rather than, you know, flogging myself, I can notice, oh, there was a limit and I didn't even know that. So now I know. And next time I can speak to that limit. Yeah. And even you can, you know, depending on the relationship of where that limit came up, you can back up and correct it. You know, like Mm -hmm. you might say to your partner, yes, um, we can do that thing on Thursday. And then Thursday comes, you're like, oh, I don't, I didn't actually really want to do that. And you can say, hey, I said yes, but now that I can feel myself a bit more and I've got out of my head and busyness and whatever, I'm really not a yes, you know, and mm-hmm. renegotiate. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so much of this, you know, this work around consent and agreements and you know, a lot of the work I do with this is, is touch-based yeah. and, and creating agreements around touch. And it doesn't have to include touch, but 
that's an, an entry point into it. And so if we make an agreement, okay, we're going to have a, you know, we're going to get together on Thursday night and do this thing. And then Thursday comes around rather than saying, you know, we can say, actually, I've changed my mind and I don't want that. Or we could say, all right, we talked about doing this thing tonight, but before we go into it, let's just take a moment and check in. How are we feeling right now? And does that still sound good? Or is there something that would feel even better? So we can lock ourselves into things and then get rigid around it. You know, we said we're going to do this. And so we got to do this, even if it's supposed to be something pleasurable. Like, you know, (laughs) we said we'd have a date night and by by golly, we're going to have a date night and we're going to have fun and we're going to love it. (laughs) Uh, You know, we said we're going to give each other massages. And so we have to do this thing. And so allowing some more flexibility and being connected to ourselves in the moment. Yeah. You know, that when we talk about embodiment, it's present moment awareness. And so in this moment right now that we have with each other, what would feel really good to you? Mm. And in this moment right now, here's what would feel really good to me. And it might be something that we couldn't have thought of two days ago or a week ago. But in this moment, like this is what feels alive. And so having that ability to create in the moment for me is really where the magic is and where the juice is. Same. (laughs) Absolutely. Because what is there in the moment is what's true. And Mm -hmm. if you're trying to fake it, there might be some fun and pleasure in it, but it's not the truth nugget of what's there. Whereas if you follow that, you're going to get mm-hmm. to the pleasure nugget or the, the intimate, mm-hmm. nugget, whatever it is. Yes. To everything you're saying a thousand times. Yes. Yeah. And it, it, you're, you know, saying, hearing you say that reminds me of this phrase of fake it till you make it. I hate that phrase. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, no, be present with what's here right now and yeah. follow the, follow the pleasure yes. in this moment. Yes like, where is it right now? And take away the preconceived ideas of what pleasure is or what you thought it was going to be. What is it right now? Mm-hmm. As I say that, I get a little flutter because to me, that's far more exciting. Like, even if we've planned something, we kind of want to explore this thing. If it's not what's alive, it might be interesting still. But if we explore what's alive, yeah. Every time I say that, my my body lights up. Ooh, yeah, ooh. <laughs> it knows, it knows. And especially intimate and erotic stuff, which let's just take it there for a moment and then I will let you go because I could talk to you forever. It's, it's, you know, in, like the erotic or eros, as you says, heightens everything, doesn't it? There's mm-hmm. so much more attached to that. There's there's the context in our world of shame and fear and cultural conditioning and stuff that we learn about ourselves as sexual beings and how we're supposed to show up for that. And so when you're looking at the creating the safe container and the boundaries and consent around that, I think certainly I was socialized to kind of just say yes, if you get yourself in that situation, which is horrific, of course, you know, it's, that's not truth. And that's not actual real pleasure. And that's not even boundaries. I mean, that's just yeah. you know, assault really. It's, it's just, yeah. 
mind boggling. And so if you can bring this whole body of work of consent and boundaries and agreements, I love the term agreements and all of this and how it's all rolling consent and being present with what is and hearing your body into your erotic exploration. It just explodes what's possible. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I can feel that in my body too. Like <laughs> if we know where each other's parameters are, mm-hmm. then we know the playground we have to play in. Exactly. If I don't know where your parameters are, well, first of all, I'm going to hesitate to to do anything or bring anything because I don't know what's going to hurt or cause harm or offend or you know. And mm-hmm. if I was unpracticed at receiving no, which was one of my biggest learnings, then I wouldn't, well, I would just be stuck because I wouldn't want to get a no. Yeah. I wouldn't know what would bring a yes. Whereas obviously everything we're talking about too comes down to good communication. (laughs) It's a lot of stuff, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. And it's really counterintuitive. Mm. So when I hear people say, oh, I don't have any boundaries. Like, oh, the first thing that comes to mind is Oh, I'm, I want to find what that is. Like, I know you have something and I'm going to find it. So it's like, it almost becomes a challenge, but it also is, it's like, there's a tentativeness in me when I hear that. Right. And I don't trust it. And it's like, Ooh, okay. You said anything, anything goes, I'm actually, I need to be a little bit careful because I don't, there's gotta be something. And when boundaries actually create freedom. Yes. In my experience. So when I know what the playground is that we're playing on and I know what's available and what's not available, it's like there becomes so much freedom in that space that we've agreed to play in. Yeah. Yeah. And so that for me, it's like, Yes. Like having boundaries like that, there's so much juice and aliveness in that. It's like, okay, now like we've established the parameters. Now let's like, let's have fun. Yeah. Bottom line. And I, I think about this in the context of intimate relating and, and, you know, I talk to a lot of, I work with a lot of couples and there's you know, there are these beliefs and I would say they're, they're societal beliefs that when we're coupled, we no longer need consent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, there's this telepathic agreement that we have that since we're in relationship, I can touch you when I want, where I want. And there's this expectation that we'll do things for each other because that's what we do when we're in relationship Mm. and it can lead to so much resentment and or harm. Right. Um, And sometimes that's conscious. Sometimes that's unconscious of feeling like, well, I just have to be available whenever my partner wants something from me. My body has to be available when my partner wants access to my body. And it's not true. Like, we still need to communicate. We still need those agreements in intimate partnerships. And those agreements create freedom and flexibility and space to play. 
And so it doesn't necessarily mean we have to ask every time, you know, can I hug you? Can I put my arms around you? Will you do this for me? Like we can create broader agreements for a partnership that creates that space to play. And, and so I actually was, I was in a relationship where we were very explicit when it came to touch and we gave each other permission to, so I gave my partner permission to reach out and touch me and touch my body whenever he wanted. And I agreed to speak up about my availability in any given moment and let him know if I wasn't available for that touch. So, you know, if he wanted to grab my ass in the grocery store, you know, I'd let him know, no, no, not right now, you know, or if he wanted to, you know, hug me and, and hold me in bed, it's like, yeah, go for it. This feels good. So it was like this, this agreement we had with each other that we could reach out and feel the other for our own pleasure anytime. And then I knew that when he came up and he put his arms around me, it was for him that he wanted connection. And, and I didn't have to reciprocate. I didn't have to know like, Oh, what does he want something from me? It was like, yeah, just like go for it. Enjoy it. And the second agreement we had was if there's something that I want or need, I'll make a request. I'll ask for it. Beautiful. So you don't have to anticipate. You don't have to guess. If there's something I want or need, I'll ask for it. And you don't and have we, to mind read me. Yes. And have me get resentful that you didn't write, mind read me. <laughs> yes. So, so that was the second agreement we had. And then the third agreement was we can give gifts. Mm-hmm. So if I feel inspired and I want to do something nice for you, you know, I can give you that gift without expectation of getting anything in return. But it, it required those first two agreements first, you know, that we'll be responsible if there's something we want to receive from the other, we'll either take action for it or we'll ask the other for it. And then from that place of knowing how to fill ourselves up, we can give the other a gift. And then we're not using trying to give something to get something in return. Which is so often the way that exchange happens, isn't it? And in Mm -hmm. established relationships, I mean, probably unestablished as well, but it's often a, God, I can remember being like 16 and and guys, you know, you'd go to parties, they'd say, can I give you a back massage? And I'd think, great, back massage. And then they're massaging you and their hands are coming up and over towards your boobs. It's like, wait a minute, I thought you actually wanted to give me a back massage, but they couldn't ask for that because that would just be terrifying for them, you know? Oh, yeah. Can I come and, and feel you up? Yeah, you know. Would and, be the, the honest request. And that might have been hot. You know, like <laughs> I might have said yes. I might have liked it. But I can't imagine that ever have happened. And then a less yeah. obvious example is when someone says, like you said, if I go to my partner and say, can I give you a hug? But what I'm really meaning is I would like a hug. Yes. Right. And that happens all the time. We think we're giving, but we're taking or yeah. it yeah. gets complicated and sometimes that's fine but the nuance is always there yes who's it for right that question of who is this really for 
And if we can't answer that, or we come up with different responses, Mm. there's a, there's a miscommunication. Yeah. And you can still find your agreement in that. Can't you, you Mm -hmm. know, like I would like a hug. So I'm going to, can I give you a hug for me? Yeah. Yeah. Complicated way of saying it, but at least it's getting clear. Yeah. Can I hug you? Can I put my arms around you? I really just want to feel it. Or will you hug me? (laughs) Or can we share a hug? Even better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robin, this conversation is amazing. I could open up every area we touched on. We could open up and talk like for days about because it's it's so deep and so fundamental, you know. And obviously, we both work with it in the in the realms of intimacy and and pleasure and connection and all of that. And it's life skills it applies to everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Is there anything that I didn't ask or we didn't touch on that's important to you or your work? that you want to say or bring? Oh, well, as you say, I think we could, we could talk for days about all of this. This has been such a pleasurable conversation. And I, the only thing I would add is, you know, I mentioned the wheel of consent and we didn't really get into the details of it, but we did talk about this model in our conversation. And so I would just add that if, if people are curious about learning more about these dynamics around receiving and giving, check out the book, The Art of Receiving and Giving um, by Betty Martin. And I was a a contributor to that. And there are lots of trainings on the Wheel of Consent. And this has been such a, a transformational piece of work for me in my life and in everything that I bring to my clients. Yeah, same. Absolutely the same. Certainly when I began my journey, I'll tell you this really quickly. I probably said it in other podcasts because it stands out so much for me. One of my first evenings on like a Neo Tantra course as a participant, um, there was an invitation where they they put the men in one circle and the women in another circle. And we took turns going to the opposite circle to ask for what you wanted from these people. So it was my turn, went into the circle of men and broke down. Because I had no idea what I wanted. And I knew inside me, I was like, just do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was kind of this thing that was sitting with me. I've been trained, culturized, socialized, whatever, to just go along with it. And so mm-hmm. the te- you know, the teacher had to come and help me figure my shit out. <laughs> but it, it, it was it was devastating, but also one of my biggest learnings. And so going in deeper to felt sense of knowing and knowing my yes and being able to say a no or even being able to say a yes was just well it's changed my world it changed how I was mothering my daughter was young at the time it changed how I mothered it changed all my relationships not just the intimate ones don't you I mean beautiful yes yes it it touches everything yeah Thank you. I want to keep talking, but I think that's enough for one one hour. Thank you so much. Tell us how people can find you. Uh, you can find me through my website, robindalzen.com. And I think you'll put that in the, the notes. Yeah. And uh, also the School of Consent. So schoolofconsent.org. Okay. I'll put that all in the show notes so people can click on links and come and find you and great. Ever more about your work because everyone needs it. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, you so, so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Speak soon. All right. Take care. 
Thank you for listening to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast with Rebecca Lowry. If this podcast has aroused your curiosity and you'd like to take things further, you can get a copy of my free video training, Reclaiming Your Intuitive, Confident, Sensual Self. The link is in the show notes below, wherever you are listening.